When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Man, baseball's a wave. You ride it as long as you can. This was Kevin Newman talking to me yesterday after the game at PNC Park. We'll see where his wave takes him by tomorrow at 6 p.m. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. Where you found this, Phillies 8, Pirates 2. You don't want to hear about that, do you? I was there. I covered it. It was every bit as miserable and bland as that score makes it sound, at least from the Pittsburgh perspective. Other than that Newman, hitting out of the leadoff spot again, went three for five, doubled, scored a run, stole a base, looked pretty much like he has ever since coming off the I.L. on the 8th of July. He's been very productive for the season, and remember that his season only encompasses 32 games. He's batting two eighty nine, which is way above anybody else on the roster, but he's also got a 759 OPS despite not having a home run yet, which means he's driving the ball. He's just not necessarily putting it over fences. He's done that at different points in his career, but he's not a real power guy. What he is when he's at his best is this. He has just enough of an uppercut to his swing that unlike his 2021 season, he'll put the ball over infielders' heads instead of right at them, and he'll get his share of doubles and gappers and so forth, and that's the way he looked again yesterday. Uh, His hits weren't accidents. They weren't excuse-me's. We talked about that for a little bit, and I got to tell you, he, he really lit up. There's nothing that baseball people, and when I say people, I'm including players, coaches, instructors, developmental people. There's nothing that they take more pride in than when they work on one specific thing off the field over a sustained span of time, and then it plays out the way they want in Major League games. Newman basically reconstructed the path of his swing. That's the way he laid it out for me. And when I said, does that mean that you had to start earlier or get sharper timing on it so that you could pull the ball more? Because that's the other thing that's been common about him when he hits well is that he pulls like he did yesterday. 
he said no, though he acknowledged that his timing uh, is really, really sharp right now. It wasn't a matter of making his swing longer or getting started earlier. It was just a matter of which direction it went. So he stays back on the ball. Try to picture this when you've seen him hit enough. He'll stay back. He'll keep that chin in, and he'll just go at the ball, but on something of an uppercut. Not, not Willie Stargell uppercut, but enough that the ball is going to make it somewhere that's more significant than an infielder's glove. And he's gotten real results for it. And as I pointed out to him, I said, this looks a lot like the U from spring training three years ago, and he carried it right into the 2019 season. Do you remember the 2019 season at all? That was the one in which there were two guys, not one, two, who were outstanding hitters all season long for the Pirates. Everyone remembers the breakout of Brian Reynolds, but nobody remembers the breakout of Newman. Their numbers ended up really, really similar that year. And at kind of a similar age, too. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Well, you know where I'm going with this, right? I mean, day before the trade deadline, Newman's 28 years old. You'd have to think Newman could bring you something in a fair exchange. In addition to how he's hitting right now and the easily translatable similarities to how he hit in 2019 at other points of his career, add on to that that he was a Gold Glove finalist and at shortstop, no less. And you'd think there'd be a contender somewhere could use a player like that. In addition to everything else, there's also his flexibility to move all across the infield diamond, including where he's at now for the Pirates at second base because O'Neill Cruz is getting his time at short. My question is, yeah, this. <laughs> do you want to do it? Do you want to do it? My own feeling is that I'd be a little queasy about it, much the same way that I was about Adam Frazier. Frazier, we had watched all the work that he put in, that he adjusted to in the off seasons, that he worked on his swing, the way he made himself into what should have been a gold glove second baseman. And then you send these guys off right as they've just hit that exact point where you wanted them all along. You know what I'm saying? So that's the queasiness that comes into it. But a lot like the Frazier trade, you could also win it, maybe even win it big. Let's remember that the Frazier trade was the one that brought Jack Suwinski and Tukapita Marcano. Now, I don't know that both of those guys are going to make it, but I'd like to think Suwinski certainly got a chance, and Marcano has been Indy's very best hitter over the past month. So I think you're going to see both of those kids back up here in Pittsburgh very, very soon, maybe within the week, based on something I was told yesterday at the ballpark. 
Now, the very best version of Newman isn't going to get you that. Frazier was one of the NL's leading hitters at the time of the trade. But if there is any kind of meaningful prospect return, and they're a little closer to the majors than the A-ball guys that Ben Charrington now says he doesn't want to acquire anymore, at least that's what he told the Mets in the Daniel Vogelback deal, yeah, yeah, you probably do it. You don't give them away, but you probably do it. Because the other facet to this is even though the Pirates don't currently have anyone pushing for second base from underneath, they likely will before long. Nick Gonzalez, easily one of their top two or three prospects, is going to get healthy at some point, and he's going to hit at a major league level, and second base is his position. If it isn't him, you do have other guys who've played there, Diego Castillo, Hoy Park. I could run through a bunch of other names, but you get the idea. That's Gonzalez's position to lose, ultimately. So keeping Newman and then paying him via arbitration. Yeah, okay. All right. Talk me into it. When we come back, J1Q. big league teams. How do you take the Pirates seriously? I'm honestly asking because they operate on a totally different level than the others. As you can imagine, Kyle's question wasn't the only one that came this way after a rotten day like yesterday uh, that was in this tone, not to mention after a seven-game losing streak, not to mention after losing 12 out of their last 14, not to mention after getting blown out again. And then having it happen in front of the big crowds, and I know they were Philly people, at least half of them, but still, you know, those can also be fun atmospheres. And the Pirates made damn sure that there wasn't a fun thing going on at PNC Park for those four days. One of the things that always comes this way whenever things are going very badly for the Pirates, like now, is why do you cover them at all? Why do you give them the coverage that they don't deserve? Why do you treat them as if they're equal to the Steelers and the Penguins in town when they're not? And my answer to this probably comes across as disappointingly simple to a lot of the people who hear it, but journalists aren't activists. Uh, We're not going to partake in some kind of protest related to subject matter that we cover. I know that sports isn't the same as covering, you know, war and politics and murder and everything else, but it's got to be based on the same principles. It just does or it doesn't work. So that's part one. Part two is you make a decision about the type of coverage that you assign to a subject matter based on the interest level. Now, for those people who only pay attention to the Pirates peripherally enough, just enough, so that they can pick up enough crumbs to slam them and bury 
everybody, not just Bob Nutting, that's the lowest hanging fruit, but everybody and everything associated with the Pirates, including the people who buy tickets to go to the games, including the people who cover the games, under some insane <laughs> pretense that we're part of the problem. I've heard that one a lot. You're part of the problem. You're giving them the attention or the legitimacy that they don't deserve. Look, you're free to your opinions on that. Anybody is, okay? But the decision that I made, me, unilaterally, when I left newspapers to start my own business eight years ago and covering sports was that I would cover all three of Pittsburgh's big league teams exactly the same way. So I'd never have an up period or a down period, or we're not going to do these games, or we're not going to do those games because the team stinks. We would make the same level of commitment to the coverage for Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates. Now, there are variances within the beats. For example, the Steelers only play 17 regular season games. I go to every single game, home or road. That's kind of a no-brainer. The Pirates play, of course, 162 games, and that would be a slightly bigger challenge. But we, we as an outlet, DK Pittsburgh Sports, we're at every game. We're at all 162. We're at every session. We're at every day of spring training. We go everywhere that the Pirates do. Why? Because that affords us access to the players, to the sources that we need. The only other local entity that travels with the Pirates is the Post-Gazette, our 250-year-old newspaper in town. And also, guess what? The interest is very much there. If you really hate the Pirates, you might not wish this to be true, or you might just look at attendance figures and think that that somehow gauges the overall interest in the team, and it's just not true. We have numbers. We have data. We know how many people read our articles about the Pirates. We know how many people listen to Daily Shot of Pirates. And we know that those figures work very well for our business. So we're not doing it as some sort of uh, act of charity or to partake in the con or anything like that. We're doing it as a sports journalism outlet that eight years ago made a decision that we would cover all three teams the same way. No apologies here. Believe me, we're not changing it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow, I guess, right? Aren't we? Yeah? Okay, good. Good.